Welcome to Kindreds, a podcast for soul sisters. I'm Ashley Peterson. And I'm Katie Zay. We're kindred spirits talking all things faith, feminism, and friendship from our homes in the South. Hey, Katie. Hey, Ashley. So guess what? What? We have a new little bike rider in our house. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's one of the upsides of being home for almost eight weeks is that we've had time to help Sammy master riding her bike without training wheels. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's precious. Does she love it? Oh my gosh, she's so proud of herself and now she's completely terrifying me because she's got these evil Knievel moves. (laughs) Oh no. Her confidence shot up. Oh, I love it. Um, so that's been really fun. And I and I also appeared to not have taken our episode on productivity heart because I'm I'm starting a brand new book project. So <laughs> <laughs> Yay! And also <laughs> hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's going on with you? I mean, not so much. I don't have anything new. Definitely nothing exciting like a book project. Um, I think it's just a lot of the same happening, which is probably true for many of us. I have been enjoying the spring weather. Mm-hmm. We are spending pretty much every day outside. And Avery is learning to water the plants. Aww. We have some new little cherry tomatoes that are starting to turn red. So all of that has been fun. And I hope we can just keep him interested in plants and gardening beyond now. It's such a rewarding hobby. And yeah, I love that. I've seen a lot of people grow gardens or build gardens over this time. So that's that's something we haven't done. And I'm I'm a little bit jealous. I kill a lot of things. I start gardens every couple of years and it's so much work and I a lot of things die and I get really frustrated and overwhelmed. So this year I took it really chill. We just have tomatoes and pots and some herbs and some flowers and that is really it. I did not go overboard. And it is about as much as I can handle, honestly. (laughs) Just to have new growth, even if it's something small. Yeah. And the tangible nature of it too. I really love. Yeah, I love that. So we have just a few reminders, as every time. Thanks, everybody, for their continued support on Patreon, especially in these in these times. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you can sign up today at patreon.com slash kindreds. And for everyone who's been following us on our new Instagram account, can we still call it new? I think it's still new. We've only yeah, it's it kind of new. <laughs> it's new, but it's popping. It's popping. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> thanks to Ashley for posting things. <laughs> Um, but if you haven't followed us yet, we're over at Kindred's Podcast, so check it out. Ashley, what have you got? Oh, this is fun. Okay. So we talked about bookshop.org on a recent Kindred's Picks episode, and I am so excited to announce that we now have a Kindred's affiliate shop on the website. Yay. Yeah. You can visit bookshop.org slash shop slash kindreds to see our shop and if you buy a book from bookshop.org while you're in our shop kindreds will get a small percentage of your purchase we are slowly adding this is going to take us a while but we are adding all the books we've talked about on every episode of our podcast as far back as we can go So our goal is for our affiliate shop to become kind of a one-stop place where you can hear about a book on the podcast and head right over to our shop to buy it. Ooh, awesome. This doesn't mean we want you to stop supporting your local independent bookstore, but if you don't have a local bookstore or if you just want to spread your support around a little bit, we would welcome any purchases from our affiliate shop because every little bit goes to helping us create the Kindred's content that you love. 
I am also going to link an excellent article in the show notes about how bookshop.org is taking on Amazon to help independent booksellers and authors reclaim their space in the publishing world. I think this is something that's going to really start to take off here soon. seems like it's getting a lot of traction, so I'm just happy to be part of it. Oh, yeah, and I'm so glad you told me about it. So today we are talking about community. What does community look like when we can't be in person? How do we see community changing and evolving in our lives right now? And how might we reimagine community for the future? So Katie, turning it to you, what does community look and feel like for you right now? Well, what's really shaping my experience of community in addition to the obvious things like social distancing and staying at home is frankly, just my capacity for any kind of social interaction. Mm -hmm. And by that, I just mean time. I just mean time. When I say Mm -hmm. capacity, I mean time. (laughs) It's really, really limited right now. And I know that that is not true for everybody. I know some folks have more time on their hands than they would like, but Matt and I are stretched really thin with full-time parenting and full-time working. And there's Mm -hmm. just not a lot of wiggle room for much else during the day. And when I do get a break, I find myself churning inward a lot because surprise, I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> I I mistyped myself as an extrovert for a really long time, but I've I've realized I'm actually very introverted, who is supremely jealous of all of you who have a lot of TV bitching time. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> so um so right now the community I am experiencing is is small but steady. Because I've whittled them down to just a handful of people, like the people who live in my house, Mm -hmm. the people I see out in our neighborhood, and Mm -hmm. this core group of family and friends I keep in touch with virtually. And really, the the people I'm connected with now are the ones I was already connected with before Mm -hmm. all of this in an intentional way, because a lot of my close friends are long distance friends like you. Mm -hmm. And we don't have any family who's local. So I already had that muscle memory of using technology to stay in touch with those people. So we do like FaceTime with family sometimes. And we have talked about Marco Polo a million times, which yes, frankly, we love it. I don't know if I feel good about advertising for them right now, but um, <laughs> it's a great tool, you know, any kind of app where you're not having to connect in real time, but can give people an update is just really great. So I feel like not much has changed in terms of my closest relationships because they were already long distance. We are already using technology before mm-hmm. the pandemic to keep in touch. So as weird as this is for me to say, I don't feel like I'm prioritizing community right now. Um, Hmm. At the very beginning of this, I journaled about how I felt like this was an opportunity for me to dive into my interior life. So I'm actually appreciating the space that the quiet has created for me, even when that means dealing with some hard stuff that comes up, like shadow work we talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know some people are really enjoying the virtual happy hours and connecting with people who live in the same town that they're connecting with on the screen. But I've really let myself off the hook for that stuff because Mm -hmm. Zoom feels like work. I think we've said that before. Mm -hmm. And I just have enjoyed having less chatter. I really have. I just enjoy having the quiet. When I do get it, I want to be I want to be in solitude. Um, And I should say that I'm really fortunate that Matt and Sammy are my people because I wouldn't want to be quarantined with anybody else. And I imagine if I didn't have them, I would feel very, very differently about this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I recognize like for people who don't have community at home or whose community at home is negligent or awful or abusive, like I really, really, my heart goes out to you because th- these are really, really tough times to be trapped with people who do not support and love you. So I just want to name that as I'm yeah. recognizing how fortunate I am to have this great little family of three. Yeah. 
So what what about you? What does community look like for you in these weird, wacky times? Honestly, I would say that my community looks a lot like yours. At home, it is me, Pat, and Avery. I think our biggest difference is probably that we also live near both sides of our families, Pat and mine. And so we have had some limited contact with them, which has been a real gift. Pat does have to continue working outside the home because real estate was considered essential and uh, people need housing. Houses Mm -hmm. need maintenance and repairs. People are still moving and people are still needing places to live. So I do worry about how much contact he has with other people. That is something that's always on my mind. But that is just the essential part of it. The rest of our, my work, And our social lives are all entirely virtual at this point. I am uh, continually grateful to Marco Polo and the app called House Party. Have you used this yet? I have not used it, but you know me. I really hate games. So Okay. So (laughs) for those of you who like games, House Party is a video chat app. It's just like FaceTime, except it has party games. And so there's like Pictionary and kind of a PG-rated Cards Against Humanity type game and then some trivia. And what I like about it is that you don't just get on a call and then talk about the virus the whole time, which mm-hmm. is what happens, honestly, on most every other call. So it just gives you something else to do. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of fun. I've done it with friends and I've done it with my siblings, which honestly, I don't talk to my siblings or see my siblings that often. I've probably talked to them more since the virus started, which mm-hmm. has just been a very yeah, surprising and strange thing. But as far as work goes, this is where I'm really struggling. One thing that has been hard is that this year, so my organization does reproductive health rights and justice organizing work. And we were planning to focus in 2020 on building personal and community resilience. And just as we were beginning to roll out all of these great in-person events, focusing on self-care, community (laughs) organizing like all of this stuff COVID happened and I'll be honest I am really struggling with how to do that how to pivot now that everything is virtual I don't know if this if you can relate to this Katie but I recently attended a training hosted by another organization it was originally supposed to be a two-day in-person event in Atlanta we couldn't do that so the whole thing was just moved to zoom and It was terrible. (laughs) So much was lost. Being able to meet new people, you know, through those organic side conversations that happen in a training or a conference, getting to know folks in an intimate way, the camaraderie over meals and like the outside activities, like all the things that make an event memorable and meaningful. All of those things were just lost. Mm -hmm. And instead, it was just all business. It was get in, get the information, and then get out because we all had family demands. I mean, we're all just like in our office on a Saturday and a Sunday on these Zoom calls while we have lives going on outside. And it just... Virtual connection just isn't the same. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to connect virtually with people that you already have established real life relationships with. That's not really what I'm talking about. It's more that it just struck me as almost impossible to create new relationships in this virtual space. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. And the other part about connecting virtually is there isn't that energy exchange of Mm -hmm. being, you know, the unspoken stuff of just people's aura and 
you just don't get that. It's like, that doesn't translate. It doesn't for me with the technology we have to sort of pick up on, on like the energy of a group. So it is really solitary, even though you might be looking at each other. Um, I think there's just some things that don't translate well to a virtual setting, even Mm -hmm. though we are like in, in your instance, trying to do online everything that we were doing in person. It's like, very few things have people just let go of. I feel like they're like, oh yeah, let's just do it online. Yeah. And we're finding yeah. it just doesn't work. So I, in a similar vein, attended a virtual rally or digital rally. I think they called it hmm. digital rally around a Supreme Court case uh, this week. And even though they did everything they could to make it engaging, they had a DJ who was like spinning tunes. <laughs> Seriously, it was not the same as being together in DC in front yeah. of the Supreme Court building with all of that energy and camaraderie. And as much as it pains me to say it, I wonder what, if any impact it made I by mean, not being there. Yeah. So that's sort of disappointing to think about. Um, but it's not surprising. I mean, I don't think any of us expect virtual trainings or gatherings to be like in-person ones. Yeah, especially you know? not an, a virtual protest. I mean, like the <laughs> physical bodies on the steps of the Capitol is is what the right. impact is, you know? It's it was so- the first for me. It was nice to be able to sit in my comfortable chair. I'm just going to say it. It was That's nice good. to not be in front of the Supreme Court with like no bathroom. Or um, like it's raining, snowing. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But so that hasn't surprised me. But what I've been surprised by is more of a personal revelation, which is I so easily like let my social interactions go out of necessity at the start. And I don't really miss them as much as I thought I would. And that's really strange for me. Like I used to go to the gym every day, sometimes a couple times a day to either take classes or to teach. And there's this whole group of people I would interact with. And I, I love and care for those folks, but I honestly don't miss it. (laughs) I don't miss it. It's so strange. I have been able to work out at home and I actually really enjoy the solitude of it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where I was like, that's something I'm definitely going to miss because it was such a part of my routine. But I've been able to translate it for home in a way that's working for me. So I'm not tuning into virtual group fitness classes. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, and I think we're at an advantage because we've both worked from home for a while. For me, it's been yes. a decade. So I've really acclimated to it. I'm used to being home a lot. So I really do empathize with people who are doing this for the first time. That's yeah. A very, I mean, the very first year thing. of working from home for anybody is really hard. The first year, maybe totally. even two years, was really hard for me. I agree. And for <laughs> now, for me, that's been so long ago. It's hard yeah. for me to to remember. Yeah. Um, so so far, we've really talked about community, as in people that we know, you know, our friends and families and coworkers. But when I think about community beyond just the people I know and consider community in this broader way, as in like the humans that we coexist with (laughs) on the planet. It's been interesting and sometimes frustrating to watch all of us navigate the risk versus the reward of being separate Mm -hmm. from one another. And to what degree we're all living that out, even if you have the privilege of working at home or you're able to stay home for whatever reason, like maybe you're unemployed, unless you have a bunker underground, that's been stocked for this kind of thing, we're still dependent on the systems that provide us with food and other things. Mm -hmm. So even though we're physically separated from each other, this pandemic is, is illustrating just how interconnected and interdependent we are, which is not a surprise really, but it's more that felt like a very intellectual concept. And now it feels visceral to me where I can really go, wow, we really are all one 
and what I do impacts other people. And I feel it in my body in a different kind of way. Um, so that's been new. I don't know. Have you experienced anything like that or just like had a surprising experience with community through this? Well, yes, (laughs) I do. Um, just want to follow up on something you just said. I think it's been really interesting to watch. You know, we live in such an individualistic society. Oh my and gosh, yes. It's been really interesting to watch how that plays out when we're being called into collective action. And I don't really have much to say, <laughs> except that in a lot of ways I've been really disappointed yeah. by the ways that folks are showing up right now. And mm-hmm. I sadly, though, I don't, I'm not surprised by it, really. <laughs> not after the last several years um, and yeah. just watching sort of the tenor of national discourse on anything that has to do with caring for the whole of us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not really surprised, but. Anyway, that's just something I was thinking about. Just wanted to name that in case others are thinking of it too. Something that I have been going through that is surprising, um, but also just kind of personal. I haven't shared this on the podcast yet, but in early March, as the states were starting to shut down and Mississippi was really only beginning to understand the scope of the virus, I lost a family member. My Uncle Larry passed away after um, years of battling uh, heart-related illness, and my family experienced what a lot of families have been dealing with this spring, which is not being able to have a proper funeral or goodbye or gather together to celebrate the life of a loved one. And it was really intense. We were more fortunate than some because it was just at the beginning of COVID, we were permitted to have a socially distant service that was literally fewer than 10 immediate family members Mm -hmm. plus the preacher. We were staggered in rows, six feet apart. We weren't allowed to touch each other. And I'll tell you, not being able to hug my grandparents who just Mm -hmm. lost their brother will forever be one of the saddest things I have ever experienced. Mm. And this was my first real understanding of how important physical presence is for me and what is lost when being together in person isn't an option. And we're planning to have a big family reunion when all of this is over to celebrate Larry's memory and to celebrate all the other big family milestone life events Mm -hmm. that have happened in the last few months and been totally sidelined by the virus but not knowing when that will be is really hard we when we were right when he passed we were like you know maybe Memorial Day weekend we can do something big Mm -hmm. and like you know just our thinking was so Yeah. yeah we just had no idea and now that we're staring down the barrel of months if not the next year of life just being changed like this. Um, it's, it's really different. And I just want to lift that up for people who are going through something similar. It's really hard. It's surreal. It's confusing and it just sucks. And it's been making me think a lot about community and, you know, I don't have good answers. A friend, um, lost a relative a few weeks after that and asked me how our family was able to, to honor, um, Larry's memory. And I was like, honestly, we did the best we could, but I don't have any answers for you. And 
I think that our imagination in this time of like, how can we, how can we create comfort, a community of care when we can't be together? Like those are questions that I don't, I don't know they have great answers, but that's sort of what, why we wanted to talk about community on the podcast today too, you know, just to imagine a little bit. What is community without presence? Right. Right. I feel like that's so central. And just thinking about the practice and grief of just sitting with someone without Mm -hmm. saying anything Mm -hmm. or doing anything. And we're not able to do that. And as you were talking and, um, you know, you shared with me about your uncle Larry passing, it just really, it breaks my heart, um, to picture that. I think all of us listening can probably picture the scene that you were describing and just the tension of that wanting to pull your grandparents close Mm -hmm. and to not be able to, I think we're all, our, our hearts are all broken for you. Um, and it's one kind of heartbreak to have celebrations like graduations and birthday parties canceled. And Mm -hmm. that is completely worthy of grieving, but it's just a whole other category of something to not be able to grieve the loss of loved ones and not comfort each other with physical touch or just closeness. So I'm so sorry. And I feel like not having answers is because this is a really traumatic thing. And we're going to be living with the trauma of this, of the unexpressed Mm -hmm. grief, unprocessed grief for a long, long time after all this has passed. It's like, I don't know if we're going to be able to recover from it. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for those words. And you're so right. I agree. The trauma of this moment being something that we're going to be dealing with for a long time and every generation is going to process and handle it differently. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, we're going to be seeing the ripple effects from this for decades. Yeah. But something that has surprised me in a good way, I think, is how many people that I haven't talked to in a long time, for whatever reason, have reached out and reconnected during this time. I don't know if that's something that other people have experienced, but in the first few weeks of COVID, I had friends I hadn't talked to in years, uh, you know, text me and say, hey, let's schedule a phone call. It's been too long. And it's like there's this shared impulse to pull our loved ones in a little closer and maybe make up for lost time or reestablish a lost connection. And that's something I'm really grateful for. Oh, yes, I completely agree. Um, In my antisocial state, I don't know that I've been very responsive to those. But But I think it's an indicator that there is this, what I'm seeing as a collective return to the heart. Mm -hmm. And so much of this time and going inward has been about remembering what is this term essential. Mm -hmm. Um, We hear that word a lot around essential businesses and and workers and um, places of business. But honestly, I think we've all had to redefine what that means for us individually mm-hmm. and collectively and we'll we'll continue to do that and I hope that leads to some systemic change like fair pay and better conditions for people who do the work that actually keeps our lives going mm-hmm. but on a more spiritual level when I think about what is essential I've witnessed just how essential love and relationships really are and um one of the things that helps lift my spirits for for many days after was getting to officiate a wedding from mm-hmm. a safe distance <laughs> for a couple I'd never met before whose plans got messed up. So it was just the couple and their kids and a few neighbors, you know, from the driveway. And then they had about 50 people join on Zoom. Aww. And the best was the groom's parents had gotten all dolled up for the occasion, like wearing a tux and like fancy dress. <laughs> it was oh, just, it, it was so sweet 
it was so sweet to, to witness the purity of this moment that it was about love and family. And in that moment, I was just thinking how essential and unquenchable love is as a force, mm-hmm. you know, like it can't be stopped. Um, I don't know if you ever read A Practical Wedding when you were planning your wedding, but yes. I feel like they said something along the lines of the only thing that you have to do on your wedding day is get married. And yes. that's always sort of stuck with me. Like the goal is to get married. So if you're able to do that, then you succeeded. Yeah. And so just to see it all, you know, get boiled down to, I love you. I want to marry you and make this commitment. It, it really warms my heart. Um, it was just really lovely. And I'm, I'm thankful that they invited me into that moment with them. So I'm wondering if you've seen any ex- with everything that we've said about how terrible it's been, have you seen examples of community done well in this pandemic? Yes, I have actually. And one person I will shout out is my friend, Reverend Anna Fleming Jones, who is a pastor near Jackson, Mississippi. She has been doing these great Facebook Live videos that I think really get to the heart of what people are feeling and experiencing right now. Her videos are short, just right there in her house or on her front porch and she's often got a sketchbook or a watercolor painting in her lap and she paints while she talks and her painting is a little mantra she's done a video on the importance of rest and another one on the love yourself part of love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. and for me this is church you know mm-hmm. an opportunity to gather informally even just for a few minutes and share something real something true about the human experience and so that's one thing that i've really loved and then something else that i've seen are mutual aid networks Mutual Aid is a community strategy of collective care, and the website MutualAidDisasterRelief.org describes them this way. Mutual Aid entails what's often called solidarity, not charity. It isn't a handout from some top-down entity, nor someone's paid employment. It embodies a spirit of empathy, generosity, and dignity. So the week that the pandemic was announced and it became clear that people were really going to need help in all kinds of ways, an organization in my area, the Mississippi Rising Coalition, who I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the podcast before, they started a database of mutual aid asking people to sign up for the ways that they can help others and for others to ask for what they need. So if you have extra cleaning supplies you could share, sign up for that. If you can make masks, if you're willing to pick up somebody's groceries for them, if you have extra cash to help someone with bills, if you can watch someone's kids so they can go to work, just sign up on this form. And then people that need help can go into the form and see what's available and just directly call the person who made the offer. So it's this very grassroots way of connecting people to resources. And mutual aid is a strategy that has been used throughout history all over the world. And honestly, this is church to me too, you know? Mm -hmm. So Katie, do you have any thoughts on how this is going to shape the way that we experience community in the future? When you're describing mutual aid, I thought this is sharing, right? (laughs) Sharing. (laughs) Very, very basic, but so important. And um, when we get into that fight or flight, um, highly individualistic thinking, we forget that we mm-hmm. can we can share things. So it was a real nice contrast to the hoarding that was on the news. You know, the hoarding we were seeing, and then at the mm-hmm. same time, we've got mutual aid groups popping up all over the country saying, "I've got plenty, and you can have some." Right, right, and get into that. There's there's more than enough abundant kind of mm-hmm. thinking. So on a 
basic level, when I think about the future, I imagine that these digital worship services and working from home for those who can will continue to be part of our new way of doing things. Because mm-hmm. um, I just feel like once it's offered, how do you retract it, right? Yep. How do you stop? <laughs> Which I think is good. Offering people flexibility um, when possible benefits so many people. And I think one of the things I've seen on Twitter is for folks who are living with disabilities, they're they're saying, you know, we've been living like this for a long time. We mm-hmm. haven't been able to go out or leave our homes for various reasons. And so there are lots of people who even before this time have been missing out on paid work or couldn't participate in their spiritual communities because of that. So I hope that mm-hmm. that's more of a thing of the past now that we've learned how to accommodate people when they can't physically get somewhere. So I hope that that's part of our our, our future community. And when I think about what I hope for in terms of what world I want us to create together, I really, really hope that we have permanently disrupted the systems that enable and promote convenience culture. Yes. Um, and I've been personally really convicted to use a, um, a word from my, from my childhood. I've been personally convicted of this <laughs> a lot because <laughs> I just would order stuff on the internet all the time because I was mm-hmm. bored or momentarily intrigued or got sucked into an Instagram post. Mm-hmm. And I had no concept of how that instinct to click to buy was impacting so many people. And I probably still don't. So now when I think about buying something, I think about why I'm buying it, where mm-hmm. I'm buying it from, whether or not it's worth the risk to the people to get it to me. Mm-hmm. These are just things I was not. I mean, I was maybe thinking about them occasionally, but it was not. I wasn't pausing to think before I would click and order something. So I really have tried to think, like, do I really, really need this or can it wait? And really, the the bookshop.org, and this is not SpawnCon people, but that introduction to Way I Buy Books has been really helpful because at the beginning of COVID, I was able to order books from local bookstore. But when that was no longer an option, I couldn't mm-hmm. go to the library. I was really, really missing having books. Um, and so I didn't want to shop on Amazon as an author. I definitely shouldn't be shopping on Amazon. (laughs) So I just love how I can support local bookstores this way when they give a portion back of their sales to, to independent booksellers. Um, and I actually picked a bookstore from my college town that hosted a a talk for me when my book came out and supported me in that way. So awesome. Yeah. It just feels good. I feel like reconnected back to that community and like, yeah, it costs a little bit more. And you do have to pay for shipping, but it was completely worth it. And the other thing is sometimes it's kind of fun in these days to have to wait a little extra. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to get something. It's like something to look forward to. I don't know when this thing, I don't know when this thing is going to arrive. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's so silly as I say it out loud, but it's like that convenience culture is real. And I just, I really hope that for me, I can divest from that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Same to everything you just said. I am so not okay with how much room shopping took up in my mental space. And I would never have called myself a shopper really before this. (laughs) I I really did not have a, a concept of myself as someone who liked to shop, but I'm having to confront that now mm-hmm. <laughs> because mindless, easy online shopping or just like going to Target or TJ Maxx because I was bored and didn't have anything else to do. Like, when did I become that person? I I don't know. It's so easy. Yeah. So I have also started divesting from Amazon. At first, admittedly, it was out of necessity because 
two-day sh- shipping is just not a thing right now. Mm-hmm. And so that instant gratification is gone. And I was like, well, if I can't, you know, get it in two days, I might as well get it from somebody else. But I love it. I've been doing curbside pickup from local stores wherever possible and also buying books from bookshop.org. And um, you're right. It costs a little more. I have to wait a little longer. But that is actually making me assess whether it's something I really need. And sometimes I decide just not to buy the thing at all. Mm-hmm. And since I no longer mindlessly shop for fun, this has been the big learning piece for me. I'm forcing myself to find other ways to meet that need. I've started some new art projects. I'm expanding my reading. I've got a few plants, like I mentioned, that I'm trying to keep alive. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) And a lot of the tools that I'm using are things that I already had around the house, like in junk drawers and (laughs) the back of my closet. Like I'm just pulling out stuff I already own. Yes. We're doing that with Sammy's toys too. Yes. So it's been kind of a fun challenge to the idea that – This is what I think is so toxic about that convenience culture is we're sold as consumers that our best life is just around the corner with our next purchase. And that is something I'm actively challenging right now. So that feels fun. And for me, this speaks to a larger idea that we've kept coming back to over our last few episodes, that we humans are more than just producers or consumers Mm -hmm. or even influencers. We are worth so much more than that to ourselves and to each other. So something I hope more people will realize is that consumers don't create community. People do, especially when we bring our full selves into gathering with people. And you mentioned working from home and virtual work. And something that I'm loving about all of the virtual working from home is that it kind of forces us to bring our whole selves and our whole lives into our workspace. Kids interrupt a call dog barks. We're in our casual clothes. Sometimes we're eating. You can see our messy living room behind us. And you know what? The call survives. (laughs) The work goes on. It turns out all the performances of white patriarchal office culture aren't really all that necessary after Mm -hmm. all. So I hope that we can hold on to our authenticity and our humanity a little while longer after everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amen. And a little side note, uh, today Sammy discovered that she could use a popsicle stick to open up the locks in our rooms. So she definitely, during this recording, has come (laughs) in at least one time. And I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but maybe you should just keep it in and everyone will know what that opening and closing of the door was. Did you see me with my mom? Because we're on Zoom. I was like, (laughs) I did. I did see your mom like, (laughs) my mom face. face. (laughs) So yes. They do interrupt. Sammy's picking locks now. How delightful. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) New skills abound. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about what we're reading and listening to. Katie, you're up. Yes. I have been loving Jamila Jamil's podcast, I Weigh. Oh, she's a delight. I just love her. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know we've talked about her before. I'm such a big fan of hers on The Good Place. And Mm -hmm. even more than that, I love her Instagram feed. And she mm-hmm. just holds no punches against the manipulative marketing of diet culture to use celebrity influencers to shill their um, laxative products, basically. Yes, yes. <laughs> she just goes for them. And so I started um, – oh, sorry. She started the I Way movement to talk about our true value, you know, which has nothing to do with the scale. Um, mm-hmm. 
because she just got tired of that in the entertainment business. So I haven't listened to all of the episodes yet, but I really loved her interview with Reese Witherspoon um, about how she decided to start her own media company after she was reading. And this was at the height of her tele- uh, her movie career. I mean, she'd done all these amazing movies and she was mm-hmm. reading terrible script, terrible script that was just making women look like subservient to men and how hard it had been for her to get um, – funding for her projects, despite all the success that she's had with Big Little Lies and Gone Girl. And even now, she doesn't make as much as her male counterparts do. So Mm. she's talking all about like what that's like for her. And um, she's just really honest and authentic. It was just a really nice conversation. I I really love what Reese Witherspoon has created, but I guess I haven't really listened to her in interviews that much. Um, but I just really liked how she showed up and she talked about a lot of other things too, like her struggles with anxiety and postpartum depression. She talks about messing up and apologizing on national TV. She talked a lot about her whiteness and privilege and screwing up in that arena. And I, I just found it all really refreshing and inspiring. So go check it out. I Way by Jamila Jamil. I love it. I have not listened to the podcast yet, but I do follow I Way on Instagram. It is such a great feed. So I have been listening to the audio version of the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. I have been searching for a good audiobook because I am sick of all of my podcasts right now. <laughs> and it's taken a while to find a good audiobook because I'm kind of sick of audiobooks too. Oh my gosh, sick of everything. Uh-huh. But this one is actually hitting the mark. I told you yesterday that I haven't quit it after a few chapters in. So I think that that's positive. But I'm actually like halfway through and I'm still engaged. The full title is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist, and Our Lives Revealed. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's part memoir, part guidebook on therapy. The author, Lori Gottlieb, is really interesting. She got her start in creative writing and journalism. And at like the height of NBC Must See TV, she started her career working uh, writing for TV shows like ER and Friends in the 90s. So while she was researching for ER, she fell in love with medicine and eventually became a clinical psychologist. So this book is about her experience as a therapist with some of her more interesting patients, but also about the time in her life when she had a really bad breakup. She was really struggling and ended up in therapy and what it was like to be a therapist and a patient at the same time. And so the author just has this really easy, fun storytelling style. It's been a good escape to listen while I'm cleaning or doing the dishes at night or whatever, you know. It's been nice. I'm not really listening in the car anymore. Right. So I'm listening in like 20-minute chunks while I do the dishes or whatever. But So I follow in your footsteps in all things entertainment-related. So I actually had gotten the ebook from the library and then you mentioned it to me. I got a bunch at once. That's so like, funny. Okay. I So I started it today. Um, and it is really, really good. I'm yeah. really enjoying it so far. It's the perfect balance of substantive, but it's still light in tone. So it, yep. it's really hard for me, too, to find something that strikes the right chord right now. And I have abandoned a dozen books yes. since this thing started. I'm like, I just cannot. But Same. I agree. This, this book is really, really good. And just the meta level of her being able to say, oh, I see what this therapist is doing with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really comical. <laughs> yep. Every, the whole time I was listening, I knew you would like it because you are always interested in things to do with therapy and psychology and stuff like that. And I just, I knew you would like it. So I'm glad that you happened to pick it up too. Yeah. Well, thanks for, um, thanks for pushing me to to pick it up. 
Um, and if you haven't listened, uh, if you haven't listened to it or read it yet, everyone should go pick up a copy of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Oh, yes. Thank you for <laughs> restating the title for folks. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was like, I, I forgot. through that, I'm like, maybe I should let Ashley do that, but I don't know. I'm just taking it over. No, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it back over to you because you are up for our kindreds of the moment this episode. So... I don't actually have a kindreds of the moment this week. Perfect. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I, well, so here's the thing. I've been thinking about it. Trying to rack my brain for an individual or organization that is just calling out to be lifted up. And I, I felt like that I shouldn't have to try so hard (laughs) that maybe that's a sign that we don't really have a kindred of the moment because the kindred of the moment is all of us. Yes. You like how all I did that? <laughs> making it, we're making it through. <laughs> yeah. My prayer for all of us is to just take good care of ourselves and take good care of each other. Be the community that we need and the community that we want to create. And if you're so inclined, if you're able to, you can visit mutualaidhub.org to find a network in your area to sign up for. So, yeah. Thanks for being our kindred of the moment, y'all. Thanks for hanging in there with us. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, that is it for this episode. So next time we're going to talk about creativity. Mm. What's the difference between the drive to be productive and the drive to be creative? And what are our creative processes like? So that should be really fun to talk about. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. All right. Talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website, kindredspodcast.com. That's kindreds with an S. Or you can send us an email at team at kindredspodcast.com. You can also follow me, Katie, on Twitter at Katie Zay. That's Katie with an E-Y-Z-E-H. Please send us your thoughts, ideas, and questions. We'd love to hear from you. 